Well, it's Christmas Eve. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah. Are there any kids here that are really excited for Christmas morning? You better be, right? You better be, because if you're not happy tonight, then you miss out in the morning, right? That's, that's how it works. It's the ha- happiest time of the year. It's the most wonderful season of all. With the kids jingle-belling and everybody telling you, be of good cheer. And if you're not of good cheer, if you're not happy, well, you better figure out how to get happy, right? It's the time of the year to be happy. Christmas is here. But why is it the most wonderful time of the year? That's what I want to talk to you about this evening. Why is this the most wonderful time of the year? Well, the year was 1903. In December of 1903, two high school dropouts named Orville and Wilbur left their home in Dayton, Ohio, and they went to North Carolina to do some tests on a machine that they were building that they hoped might change the world. And uh, they conducted many failed experiments. They they tried and they made changes, and finally on December 17, 1903, it happened. And Orville and Wilbur Wright, the Wright brothers, they flew for the first time. Human beings had longed to fly. We've dreamed about flying for hundreds, probably thousands of years. And at Christmas, 1903, it happened for the first time, and they were elated, they were so excited, they ran to the telegraph office and they sent a a telegram to their sister Catherine back home in in Dayton, Ohio, and they said in the telegram, we actually flew 120 feet, we'll be home for Christmas, inform the press. And so Catherine ran down to the local Associated Press office and she showed the telegram to the editor there and he looked at it and he said that's great the boys will be home for Christmas (laughs) and he missed it nobody published news that human beings had flown for four days the world was about to change and yet Christmas 1903 the world celebrated Christmas completely unaware of the news that would change the world. And you know, there's something fitting about that, isn't there? Because every single December, the world, the Western world at least, many of us celebrate Christmas completely unaware of the news that would change the world. That's how Christmas goes, whether it's 1903 or 2017, And that's how the first Christmas happened as well. Nobody noticed. In a stable in a little town of Bethlehem on the first Christmas, something that happened that would change the world forever. And this evening I want to tell you the story. I want you to see why, maybe for the first time, I want you to see why this is the most wonderful time of the year. I want you to see that this is not just the happiest season of all, but that Christmas brings not just happiness, it brings joy, joy that doesn't 
uh, fade, joy that will sustain you in the ups and downs of life. And so I want you to look with me at the story of the first Christmas through the eyes of the one person who could not miss the news that would change the world on that first Christmas, Mary herself. The story of Mary that the Chirac family read for us just a moment ago. She was a young, young girl. This sounds crazy to us, but back in those days, it was normal for a young girl to be betrothed at the age of 12 or 14. She was just a little girl. She was poor. She came from a town called Nazareth, a place that you've all heard of, but a place that was nowhere. Nazareth was, Nazareth was the barstow of the ancient Near East. The only reason it was there was because it was the intersection of two major roads, but nothing good would ever come from Nazareth. It's never once mentioned in the Old Testament. Nobody expected anything good would ever come from Nazareth. And so there was Mary, and she was betrothed to the village carpenter, Joseph, which meant that she was legally promised to him, but they hadn't yet consummated their marriage. And when the news came that though she was still a virgin, the power of the Holy Spirit would overshadow her, and she would become pregnant, and she would give birth. God in the flesh would be born through her, well, that is the good news that changes, that changes the world. That is the good news of Christmas. That changes everything. And I want you to know and understand here, I want you to experience that story tonight, maybe for the 50th time or maybe for the first time, to really understand what it means to experience the good news of Christmas that changes the world. Let's look at the story. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, and the angel said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. What does it mean to find favor with someone? Well, it means simply that they like you. It means that they like you. An angel appeared to Mary and said, Mary, guess what? God likes you. He likes you a lot. God is really fond of you, Mary. Christmas is about having the favor of God. It's about the favor of God coming into the world. It's about God coming to human beings and communicating to us his favor to help us know his favor. So let me ask you, do you have the favor of God? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God likes you? I mean, most of us would say, well, of course, of course, of course God likes me. I hope. <laughs> I don't know, the more I think about it. <laughs> might sound like a trivial question. Of course, God loves me. Why wouldn't he? But you know what? That is the most profound question that you will ever answer. If you have the favor of God, you have everything. If God is for us, who can be against us? If you have God and you lose everything, you have enough. But if you have everything and you don't have the favor of God, even what you get will never satisfy. You know, as a pastor, I have the opportunity to talk with people a lot. 
I sit down over lunch or over coffee and I meet with people and I talk about uh, their lives with them and it's wonderful. But often, uh, as I'm getting to know people for the first time, we'll sit down together and the small talk will kind of um, fade and then I'll ask a question and I love to ask people this question. I say, tell me your story. Who are you? Where did you grow up? And you know, every single week I ask somebody that question and the first words out of their mouth who are you? What's your story? The first thing they do is they tell me about their parents. They tell me about their parents. I know there's like four of you here who are thinking that I'm talking about you. It happens every single week. These are grown men and women in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. And when we are asked to talk about who we are, the first thing that comes out of our mouths is this wrestling that we all have to know that somebody has found favor with us. The person that cares for us, the person that brought us up, the person, uh, maybe it's not your parents, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your boss. We talk about wanting to find favor with someone. And if that can happen in our lives so often that I have that conversation every single week, then how much more would it make a difference for us to know that we have the favor of God? I heard a story recently, a tragic story in many ways, about a man named Bob. Bob is a pastor in Florida. But Bob's mother, um, Bob's mother was abused as a kid. And she was kicked out of her house as a teenager, and she gave birth to Bob when she was only 15 years old. And over the next five years, she had five children with five different fathers. And Bob and his siblings witnessed horrible and unspeakable things until finally the state intervened and separated Bob and his siblings from their mother. And they lived the next many, many years in and out of different foster homes. Things in foster care only got worse. In one home, Bob was forced to eat and drink out of a dog bowl. In another foster home, Bob witnessed his foster father beat his foster mother to death with a hammer. Because of his insecurity, Bob wet the bed until he was 12. And one foster parent wrapped the soiled sheets around him and made him stand in the doorway to his school to humiliate him as his friends filed past. In the sixth grade, Bob had the social ability of a five-year-old. And his teacher wrote on his report card, this boy will never amount to anything. And at that time, in western Washington, there was a couple in their mid-40s who were unable to have children. And the state said that they were too old to adopt a newborn, and so they sent them an album with the profiles of four, 500 teenage foster children. And that woman opened the book and looked through the pictures, and in Bob's word, for some reason known only to God, she came to my picture and said, that's my boy. And Bob says, I'll never forget that day, Christmas 1959, in eastern Washington on a snowy day, when this amply built woman came rushing up the sidewalk 
and folded me in her arms and said, I love you, Bobby. That was the first time in my life anyone had ever said, I love you. He said, I remember the tears running down my face when she asked me this question, would you be my son? The story of Christmas is that God has come to earth to look you in the eye and ask you that same question. Will you be my daughter? Will you be my son? Will you be my child? If having the favor of a parent could have such a profound effect on the outcome of your life, can you imagine what it would be like to live life knowing that you have found the favor of God himself? Christmas is about what God does to make us his children, to put his favor upon us. You cannot earn God's favor. It's a gift. It's a gift, and that's why so many of us miss it, because we're trying so hard. We're doing so much in our busyness. We're rushing around, and we miss, we miss the gift. Mary doesn't receive God's favor because she's extraordinary. She's a nobody from Nowheresville. You can't earn his favor. It's a gift, and he gives it freely and lavishly. And so let me ask you again, do you know? Do you know the favor of God? Do you know that he loves you? Again, most of us say, well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I hope. But the way that we live betrays us. We have a profound lack of certainty that we actually have the favor of God. Look at the way that Mary responds to this. You know how you know if you have the favor of God because you respond like Mary does. This is what Mary the angel says, Mary, you have found favor with God. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Now, I know that that sounds like the way somebody on Downton Abbey might talk. So let me translate it. What Mary says is, the angel says, you have found favor with God. And Mary says, oh no, this is going to ruin my life. Are you kidding me? Think about it. She's a young girl. She's a very young girl. She's poor. She's engaged to a nice man, and now she's going to be pregnant out of, out of wedlock, out of marriage. Joseph is going to leave her. Her parents won't want her back in the house. What prospects does a single teenage girl have in Nazareth to, pre- to provide for herself or her son? And the angel shows up and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. What? No. Don't do that to me. This is going to ruin my life. You know that you've found the favor of God because when the favor of God comes into your life, it will absolutely interrupt your plans. It will disrupt your life. It will remodel your inside. It will alter the path of your life for the better. Look at Mary's response. What kind of favor is this? What kind of greeting is this? If you've never had a moment where you've thought, the favor, the grace, the love of God in my life is messing up my plans, (laughs) then I would submit that you actually have not experienced the favor of God in your life. Mary is terrified. But then the angel reassures Mary by telling her who this baby is, who this baby will be. This is no ordinary baby. This is no normal baby. This baby is God's answer to the brokenness in our world. This baby will be a king who will rule with justice. This baby will be the light of God that shines into the darkness of our world. 
This is the one that we've been longing for. More than human beings have longed to fly, we have longed for the one who will show up, who will make all things right, and that is the baby in Mary's womb. Every other religion pictures God as far off, as distant, as removed from our struggle, as not wanting to soil himself with our suffering, but Christianity says that on Christmas, God came into the world in humility. He became one of us, the God who spoke creation into existence, the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, just by speaking, he lies in swaddling cloth in a feeding trough. Mary, you have the favor of God. Jesus is coming into your life, literally into your life. He is coming into the world through you. And through you, he has come to bring favor, the favor of God to the entire world. And Mary is comforted, and she says, Let it be done to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. She yields. She surrenders. She gives her life to God. Why? Because she knows that she has the favor of God. You can handle anything if you know that God is on your side. Because Mary has God's love, she surrenders. So what about you? Be it done to me according to your will. Is that something that you can say to God? You know the problem with Christmas? It's the problem with Christmas. It's really the problem with Christianity in our world. Is that we have reduced it merely to a set of propositions. And the question about Christmas and the question about Christianity is just, do you believe do you believe these propositions about Christianity? Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. Do you believe it? Of course it's true. Of course it's true. But have you yielded to God? The problem with Christianity, if you're not a Christian and somebody dragged you here tonight, you know, why... What is the problem with Christianity? You know this. It's that people who say they believe in the Bible don't live as if it were true. We haven't yielded our lives to God. I believe in God, but I'm running the show. When it comes to God, when God comes into your life, he'll rearrange it, and we respond, be it done to me according to your will. Why? Because we have the favor of God. The story of Christmas is that Mary lost control of her life, and she didn't care because she knew God's favor. She would go with God wherever he would take her. What about you? Finished with this, a friend of mine several years ago, he was living in the Bay Area, he was happily married, he had a young son, and he came home one day to discover that his wife had been unfaithful. And um, a short time later, uh, she abandoned him, she divorced him, and he felt like God had left him. He felt like God had ignored him. He's a pastor. You know what happens when you're a pastor and you get divorced? You lose your family, sometimes you lose your job too. And he's worried, God, I'm doing all of these things for you, are you paying attention to me? And yet with time, he began to heal, and he began to date again, and then not too long later, he 
was engaged to a beautiful young woman. And after they had been married for a couple of months, I, he told me this story on the phone just the other day. He said, we were lying in bed one Saturday morning, and my wife rolled over and looked at me, and she said to me, you're my most favorite person in the whole world. And he said, after the deep wound of betrayal and rejection in my divorce, those were the most powerful words anyone has ever said to me. Can you imagine somebody saying that to you? Well, the story of Christmas is the story of God coming into the world and looking you in the eye and saying, I know you, I love you, I like you, I am for you, you have my favor. God loves each one of us as if we were the only one. The story of Christmas is God coming into the world to tell us that we have his favor because of Jesus. And we respond with the words of Mary, be it done to me according to your will, I am your servant. Would you pray with me? God, what a, what an overwhelmingly beautiful story of you moving heaven and earth, of Jesus leaving the throne of heaven in order to be born in poverty, coming to this young girl and telling her that she has received your favor, God. God, would you help us not to miss Christmas in the celebration this year? Would you help us in the midst of the presence and the food and the family and the lights and the joy and the celebration to know that above all else, you have put your favor upon us. And would you help us to respond as Mary did by surrendering to you because if you are for us, who can be against us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.